the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yeah, it is. It's all mine every night of the week from 6 to 8 p.m. Oh, my. Indeedy, deedy. We got some really interesting news to share with you guys tonight, as well as an interesting pop culture question for you guys. So definitely stay tuned for that. 888-344-1170. Glad to, to have you guys with me for hour two of tonight's Andrea K show. Um, before we get into our next story, I do want to read a little email and you guys can always email me at andreakshow.com. And this is an interesting email I got uh, from today. And before the break, we were talking about or last hour, we were talking about elections and about how everybody's all counting on a red wave. We got a million supposed Democrats that have flipped to vote Republican, but we got to keep our eye on the elections. Here was an email from a listener And then I want to ask you guys if you want to call in and tell us if you've seen this. He says, hello, Andrea. My wife and I enjoy your program. More states are now investing, investigating the 2020 election and finding many irregularities. You mentioned 2000 Mules when it first came out, but nothing since or very little. We received free tickets when it first came out and saw the movie. Irrefutable evidence that Donald Trump won the 2020 presidential election. Have you seen 2000 Mules? If not, why? True, the vote with Dinesh D'Souza, along with the fraudulent voter investigation team, were very conservative, searching for fraud in the key battleground states. Look what they revealed conservative talk show hosts like you should be shouting out loud for your listening audience to see this film and then get on the phones to their elected representatives regardless of their political beliefs keep up your fight for constitutional rights most sincerely uh, bob so um skins i i have seen the movie but he's right i'm not talking about it enough we get so consumed with the hot topics of the day that we're not keeping the eye on that last time i, I do mention it quite frequently last week i talked a lot about bob uh, bill barr having the gall to laugh about it in these january 6th committee hearings um but he's right we should be talking about this movie all the time um, anything you want to share to that before we bring in the guests so anyway thank you for the email if you guys have seen it Give us a call, 888-344-1170. Speaking of elections, it looks as though there might be a new one coming up that might signal the return of AK's longest living crush that remains to this day, even though he's not in power right now. Y'all must know who I'm talking about. It looks as though there was, and I'm not an expert on Israeli politics, but it looks as though there was this Israel coalition that was led by uh, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett. This coalition involved, I think, eight political parties, and, and it just ain't working out. And he's admitting it. Hat tip to him for admitting it. I mean, do we have anybody in power here? That never happens Heck here. no. Joe Biden can't even, can't even ride a bike, yet he's still in the Oval Office. It ain't working here. It ain't stopping Joe Biden. But anyway, um, it looks as though there's going to be a vote later this year, and it could bring about the return of the nationalist religious government led by who? None other than the one and only former prime minister himself, Benjamin Netanyahu. And here to discuss the possibility of his return and to the return of the Andrea Case. We're going international. We're going international. We're going to our man, B.B. Hello, B.B. 
Hello, Andrea. How are you doing? I'm better now that you're here. I was actually kind of having a donkey day today, BB, but now I hear that you might be coming back to power. Share with us this great news. Well, I most certainly will. I mean, we all have donkey days, but we'll have many <laughs> elephant days moving forward. <laughs> and uh, here's what I'm going to say. It's, it's been a very uh, interesting, tumultuous time in Israel. And as you know, uh, Naftali Bennett, who I affectionately refer to as Benito Naftalini. <laughs> and, uh, and the reason I say this is because, number one, uh, his policies, in my opinion, have uh, hurt Israel. They've hurt the Israeli people uh, very deeply, in fact. So I felt at least he was uh, wise enough to make this decision to not cause any additional pain and to step down to do the right thing, because right now Israel does need a leader, and I am that leader. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been in this situation before. We We were there when the entire world, the global community, shut down because of COVID. And so we are going to make a comeback. And I believe that President Trump, and I will say that, also will make a comeback. Because right now, if you look at what's happening, I mean, uh, look, everyone saw the the, the bike fall heard around the world. (laughs) What did you think of that, B.B.? What do you think it about was, the bike? Uh, well, it was cringeworthy. <laughs> Number one, I, I'm seeing this uh, very old, frail man wearing a helmet. He, to me, it was out of the Flintstones. He looked like the Great Kazoo. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I was learning English, I used to watch that. The great Harvey Corman, of course, with the voice. But a lot of people don't understand that he looked like Michael Dukakis in a tank. <laughs> Hey, and I think, it, you know what, that's an insult to Michael Dukakis, baby, because I think right. I think even Dukakis looked more uh, looked more military esque, if you will, looked stronger, looked like a better commander in chief in that tank than Biden on the bike. OK, baby, um, when's your next right. trip? When's your next trip to the U.S. of A.? Well, uh, first of all, I remember I, I had a conversation with uh, Skins. And I know I have to bring him some falafel. So I, we will freeze dry it. Mm. We will make sure it is nicely preserved so it does not spoil. And by the time it arrives, uh, lo and behold, we can break bread together. And we will have a delicious Israeli meal mm-hmm. uh, the way all of our guests should. And so it's something I, I very much look forward to. And by the way, I have to say this. It's almost like a Jewish holiday every time I look at your studio because I see these lovely donuts. Yeah. And in Israel, <laughs> we have what they call sufganiyot, which are jelly donuts, which are Ooh. incredibly popular, especially during Hanukkah, you know, the Festival of Lights. Yes. So, uh, this would be a really an incredible thing uh, to be there in person. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, it's San Diego, lovely area, mm. very great weather too, by the way. Beautiful. Well, well, I hope to sometime get over to uh, the Holy Land and and get to to see Israel and uh, swim in the uh, in the. Um, 
what's it called? The the Dead Sea. The, the, the Dead, Dead Sea, sea. And, yes. and all the BB, thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. We'll have to have you back uh, uh real soon and to keep us updated on the elections. Of course y'all know this is my buddy Phil, who, you know, um who's right who's also going to be coming back very soon as our dear friend Bernie Sanders. We gotta have you back, my dear friend Phil. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Do you still have shock and away as your website? Uh, we, we do have it. We just have to get, uh, things updated on it. Uh, it's, this is my real voice, by the way, for those who are wondering. And so, yeah, we have so many characters, uh, new ones I have to get, uh, on there too. And, uh, certainly boy, I'll tell you, it's always a pleasure, uh, being on the air with you. And, and I've been fortunate enough to have uh, been in studio with you. So yeah. that, that's something I, I have not forgotten. And boy, oh boy, what a just incredible Wonderful memories, uh, that is for sure. Yeah, and uh, Phil and I met many years ago working on a Disney project yes. uh, for them and sitting around on, on uh, TV shoots and movie shoots and video shoots. You do a lot of sitting yeah. around and that's when uh, mm-hmm. we met many years ago and that's when he found out that I had such a crush on BB. I don't even know how it came up in the conversation. <laughs> All of a sudden he trotted BB out in the middle of a Disney shoot <laughs> and I classic. never forgot. It. it was classic. All right, my oh, dear my friend, gosh. Phil, thank you for being here tonight. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Keep up the good fight and the great work, and uh, we, we will always be in touch for sure. All right, my dear. Take good care. Me right. too. Thanks. Thanks speaking so of the death of comedy, we got a story coming up to share with you guys. I mean, I, you know, I, and speaking of the left eating their own, that's clearly what's going on. And at what point do we, do we, do we think that the Democrats are going to finally uh, stop holding comedy hostage? Right. And release it back to us. We're going to share that story with you. And what congressman, what congressman who actually is known as being Mr. Faith and Family, who actually speaks every year at the Faith and Family Conference, actually said in a deposition that 13 year olds can consent to sex. Yeah. Kind of creepy, ain't it? Like more than creepy. Criminal. We're going to share that and more with you when we come back from the break. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The answer San Diego. Bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Glad to have you guys here with me tonight. Okay, so I, I kind of mentioned this story in passing to Skins, and then I realized that it was actually... Let me see if I can... If, I think he copied... Actually, he copied it for me. Well done. Um... I always know when I think I've got the right cultural topic to discuss with you guys because when I throw it out there to Skins in the pre-show uh, production meeting, he just immediately starts talking about it. <laughs> so that's kind of like my, oh, by the and way. And I told the hush and save it for the air. Yeah, save it for the air. Here's what happened. And, we, and this kind of goes along the lines of them eating their own and coming out against each other. This is... This is um, it, it just goes to show that everything about the left and their movement is really ultimately about power and control and totalitarian totalitarianism. Liberalism, liberalism is literally where liberty goes to die, okay, even amongst their own. And sometimes I really enjoy it because it's like, look, these Democrats who are all for cancel culture, all you know, it, it, it's so classic useful idiot of the communists because they always think that the tyranny is going to affect people they don't like. They never think it's going to come and affect them. And for years, as I've been warning, going back into the early 2000s, I've been warning about the 
uh, attacks on our first our, our, our free speech and back in the early years of Facebook for starting to, to uh, all of that kind of stuff. And then they, it, when they first started Facebook, it would be kind of like um, you would go to post something and it just wouldn't post and be like, I keep trying to post this article and keep trying to post this article. Even back then, um, it was clear where the where the suppression was starting in terms of attacks on our free speech and social media. And then, of course, it just continued to grow to the cancel culture it is today. And it's not even just about canceling individuals. It's about canceling just entire aspects of our culture because that's the cultural Marxist movement. And one of the areas of our culture that has been just so destroyed is comedy. And there's just like so many great TV shows. You can't, they could Can not- you imagine- if they would even attempt to air in living color nowadays. Mm. Mm. Oh, no way. One of the funniest shows I've ever oh, seen. Oh, yeah. All done by, I mean, I think the majority of the cast were, were African-Americans. Were. Keenan Wayans, and then there was the sister, there was Damon Wayans, and then the young kid. I love Scratching the records was Sean Wayans, I think it was. And, um, of course, that's where Jim Carrey got his start with, with Fire Marshal Bill and um, all of his crazy characters. Just super fun. Um, but... Mo money, mo money, mo money. Men on film couldn't do that stuff. Today. Couldn't do any of that kind of stuff. Um, Homie the clown. <laughs> Who remembers Homie the clown? Oh, I do. With his with his sock with the ball in it. Homie don't play that. He hit kids on the head. That was good stuff, right? Okay, so um, I shouldn't feel sorry for this Washington Post reporter, right? Because Wapo is just such a part of the um, the. Control the message and you control minds and control minds. You control the outcome of the elections crowd, right? I mean, WAPO is some of the worst. So I don't really feel bad for this reporter, but here's what happened. He was suspended. This reporter named David Weigel was, was suspended for one month without pay for retweeting a sexist joke, according to two people familiar with the matter who told CNN. Like, this is like such breaking news, right? But it is, it is interesting. Um, now, he, Weigel did not re- respond to a request for comment, but an out-of-office reply from his post email address said that he would return to work on July 5. He apologized publicly last week for the retweet, saying he did not mean to cause any harm. So you would think, cause any harm? Like, you know, did did he, you know, tweet out something that had to do with, you know, if you see little short blonde women, you know, clock them in the head? I mean, what could he have tweeted out that was sexist? That might cause somebody harm, right? I mean, you're really thinking this is something serious here. Um, his retweet was actually spotlighted publicly by his colleague, some woman named Felicia Sonmen, who recently had a discrimination lawsuit against the paper dismissed. So she's quite the little activist. That's what's going on here. Um, she sarcastically wrote on Twitter on Friday that it is, quote, fantastic to work at a news outlet where retweets like this are allowed. And she attached a screen grab of, a, a grab of his retweet. And here's what it said. It said, see, I think it's funny. Every girl is bi. You just have to figure out if it's polar or sexual. <laughs> see, I think that's funny. What is it? Does it say something bad about me as a woman that I think that's funny? She's either bi, get it, either bipolar or bisexual. You know, one of my favorite comedians is Ricky Gervais, and I'll tell you why, Andrea, because he literally makes fun of everybody. People need to grow a thick skin. Humor is, we're supposed to be able to laugh at ourselves. Well, yeah. And, you know, um, do I think that there's a line you there, should Of course you should, a line. Yeah, of course. I mean, we all with human decency know you shouldn't stand on a stage 
and mock amputees. You shouldn't stand on a stage and mock people that are, you know, um, physically challenged in any way, right? But but can we all agree that you know making making female jokes, you know, come on, get over yourself. It's like it's like it's old school classic American funny, right? I mean, take my wife, please, right? Or you know um, the old joke about women not being able to drive, and we have just as many jokes about dudes. Right? We have just as many jokes about guys and beer bellies or whatever. And guess what? Most guys laugh at that stuff. Yeah, they do. And what about blonde jokes? You know, if, 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 if a part of it's part of this snowflake culture, by the way, it, did anybody watch that snowflakes that document? I haven't seen, watched it yet. On Netflix. Yeah, I haven't heard of anybody watching that. Um, but we, what we need is more comics like Dave Chappelle to just continue to stand up on the stage and say whatever the stink they want to say. Oh, your base, I said, same way. Yeah, just same way. And, and because we need a return to being able to laugh. We need a return to that. You know, it's great that Top Gun Maverick kept the woke out of it. It's very pro-America without shoving it down. There's no agenda shoved in your face. Um, we need some in-your-face shoving with some humor. I think we need to do it. I think we need to rip the Band-Aid off. At the end of the day, that's the ultimate escape. It is one of the best medicines to be able to sit back and just have a belly laugh. Right. I mean, the Post went so far as to push out the Washington Post is committed uh, to an inclusive and respectful environment free of harassment, discrimination, or bias of any sort. When issues arise, please raise them with leadership or human resources, and we will address them promptly and firmly. Um, I don't know if the, he did this on his actual business Twitter feed that he uses for work. If so, then I think WAPO might have a right to have, you know, some type of, you know, um, contract with their workers that on social media, here's, here's our parameters. And I think in a workplace, they have the right to do that, right? In terms of your social media accounts. Um, but, um, Washington Post, this was a tweet about women and you don't speak for me. What what did he say? What, and what did what did anything that what about that joke had anything to do with inclusivity? And Washington Post, do you have any problem? I've seen all kinds of all kinds of tweets and nasty things against conservative women. So no, you don't really have a problem with inclusivity because you don't apply these same standards to conservative women. It's okay to mock conservative women. So anyway, somebody said. Uh, Oh, the tweets uh, not only hurt women in our newsroom, but make it extremely difficult to do our best work. How did that joke make it hard for anybody to do a dang job? You can't sit and type. You can't research whatever your job is because somebody made a joke about bipolar. Something's wrong with you. You're inadequate as a worker if you can't hear that tweet or see that tweet and be able to do your job. And all this does is this is this creates a hostile work environment. It puts this is this is totalitarianism at its worst because basically an employer is only allowed uh, to tweet out something that, you know, even on their personal time that toes the company line. And that gets me back to the SCOTUS, you know, decision today that has to do with the coach, because that was about somebody being able to freely express themselves in the workplace. Right. The First Amendment rights protect every other right that we've got. And I think this guy really, instead of him apologizing, I wish he had filed a lawsuit. But I don't know what their contract is. But we need we need some more pushback, serious pushback going on for employees in the workplace to be able to speak freely and exercise themselves beyond just doing a prayer on the field. Am I seeing too much in this story here with this? Nope. Right. Speaking of the coach, I, I meant to play. I kind of just touched over this. 
this story. I actually want to play a little bit of his interview because this is an actually huge story. It's a huge story for every worker in this com- in, in this country because you should want people's uh, uh, ability to express themselves in the workplace preserved because that preserves your freedoms in the workplace as well. Whether it's to exercise your religious freedoms or exercise the ability to make a joke without somebody else deciding that your joke offends them and therefore you now get to be fired. Um, but sticking on what the story is with this football coach, um, he lost his job um, for doing post-game prayers. The accusations was that it wasn't just about him praying. It's about that they considered it coercion of other players in spite of the fact that the non-praying, because what and what scared him to death, let's be honest, what scared them here was that it not only was it not coercive, he, he had a lot of boys joining him on the field. And so the people there were like, well, it can't be that, that they're doing this freely of their own free will. It's got to be because they feel coerced, except that the two football players who did not join him in prayer, he actually made captains of the football team. So, I, so I'm loving this guy. I know it's Monday, but I'm thinking that he's a contender for Hero of the Week. Because this one person had the courage to stand up to the tyranny. He didn't do like this WAPO reporter and go, oh, I'm sorry if I hurt anybody with a dopey bipolar joke about women. No, he stood up and said, this is wrong. This is the United States of America. I have my First Amendment rights, my right to, to, to express myself, and I'm not going to go away. And I'm going to take this all the way to the Supreme Court if I have to. Just like it was, it was one citizen in Florida who decided to file a lawsuit against these stupid, communistic COVID mask mandates on us. And that's what finally got the mask lifted off of us. And we finally got our bodily freedom back in, in transportation. So this man is a hero to me. And I want you guys to hear from him. Skins, please play clip one. That's the great thing about the case is uh, coach never asked for money. He only asked in this case and the, and the court says so in the opinion for one thing. And that is that he had his job back and be able to go and say that 15, 20 second prayer after the game. And so he won. So that is what will happen uh, this fall. Coach is going to be back uh, on the field and he's going to be allowed to pray. And uh, as the court pointed out today, that's exactly what should happen. I mean, free speech and free exercise of the coach. And as long as there's no coercion, which in this case, uh, there were specific facts that there was no coercion. Uh, and in fact, I mean, coach mentioned earlier, the two kids that mentioned to him that they didn't want to pray, he made them the team captains. So uh, this is the opposite. This is a guy who fought as a Marine for 20 years understands the First Amendment and believes in everybody's right to express or not express whatever they desire. But the idea that you could shut down an American speech because somebody across the field can see him and that that might be somehow inappropriate, that, that's not America. We, we believe in people with different beliefs all having their First Amendment rights. And I think that was upheld in a strong way today by the Supreme Yeah, excellent. Well, I, I forgot this clip was actually his attorney. Um, but... Um, a former Marine. This man volunteered to fight for the United States of America and they weren't, weren't going to let him say a 15-second prayer in a field? That's insane. This is my nominee for Hero of the Week. It just goes to show, and a couple things here. Um, it, it it ended up with the Supreme Court doing the right thing, but it took some courts to get it there. So, I, I, And, and I want to celebrate victories along the way as, as we have it. Um, we, we do have an issue with the DOJ. There's been too much power amassed there. Um, but 
what we got for four years of President Trump with these judges, and particularly the Supreme Court, we cannot understate the power that it has given us. They are panicked right now, the left is, to try to do something about it. That's why there's doxing of Clarence Thomas, and there's now calls that Kavanaugh and Gorsuch be punished somehow because they supposedly lied. Let me tell you, they did not lie. But what is the dem- what is the dem- what are the Democrats saying there? They're saying that there was a litmus test. There is not supposed to be a litmus test of Supreme Court justice nominees. So the de- the Democrats are admitting that there was a litmus test, and that they were counting on the answers supplied by Gorsuch and Kavanaugh be acceptable to their test. That they pass the litmus test that they're not supposed to even be giving these SCOTUS nominees. So quite frankly, I don't see it that they lied. They talked about the value of stare decisis and precedent, but they did not say I'm going to uphold Roe v. Wade. But you know what? If that's the impression they gave in response to an illegal and unjustified and unconstitutional, as I see it, litmus test, good, good. Because you know what? They shouldn't have been put to that test. And I'm not against the fact that, you know what? There's a game being played and we might as well get in it and be in it to win it. That's how I look at it. I don't have a problem if Kavanaugh and Gorsuch misled anybody, although they didn't. That's it for for uh, that topic tonight. All right, we're going to take a skinny, tiny little break. When we come back, we're going to share with you guys what congressman actually said in a deposition that 13-year-olds can consent to sex. Wow. He's from the heartland, the flyover states. Y'all are going to really be surprised about this one. 888-344-1170. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. Hi, if you want to have a well-listened-to show tonight, I certainly wouldn't make it about Roe v. Wade. That's all we've heard since 6 o'clock this morning on every TV station and every radio station nonstop. You might make it about the violence in front of the, uh, the about the Roe v. Wade violence and about the uh, violence in front of the Supreme Court justices, but certainly don't make it about the Roe v. Wade. Thank you. Well, thank you, caller, for calling in. And our 24-hour hotline is 844-814-5227. That's 844-814-5227. Um, I don't think we've made the entire show about Roe v. Wade. No, but um, it is a significant part of the of what is just a huge part of... America. I mean, we're on the precipice and we have to make sure that this is actually taken very seriously. Well, and and because it's so much more than just about whether or not somebody can go can have an abortion. Exactly. It's about states rights. It's about individual rights, individual freedoms in this country at the local level. Your rights. um, It's about where do our rights come from man or from God? The same people that are hysterical. Who are these six justices doing this? Well, did you do do you not realize that, you know, it was seven individuals who decided for the entire country? This con- that One of the most beautiful things about this country is that we are not a democracy. We are a republic of states. And the idea is, is in order to provide the greatest amount of freedom to the individual, you've got to keep it local, at the local level. That's where the power is for the individual. Our Congress people didn't live in D.C. They lived out in the district. Right. This was a gross power grab. You Democrats are you don't tell me you don't want six people deciding the course for this country. You were perfectly happy to have seven do it. You want dictators in black robes. You just wanted to be dictating the morales, the mores or whatever it is that you want. 
But you need to wake up and realize that it doesn't end. And where it ends up is a very few of the people in the power at the top and all the rest of the peasants under the equal weight, the equal redistribution of misery, poverty, and oppression. And that's where we were going. We were on the fast track for that. These people did you a favor. Wise up. So Roe v. Wade, and that's one of the reasons why it's incredibly important. It also signals a change in the role in the courts. This is actually what the Supreme Court, what their role is supposed to be, upholding the Constitution. And there is nothing in the Constitution that says you have the right to kill your unborn child. You want to live in a country, there's, and there's plenty of states right now like California where it's legal. The founders had the idea that if you don't like what's going on in your local community, go move, another one. you could go to another one. That's the beauty of decentralization. One of the things that makes this story so significant is that it might usher in a splitting of the states. It might. Because you know what? I don't have anything in common. This, the days of we got to reach across the aisle. I am not reaching across the aisle with those who think that on the one breath they're saying it's her body, her choice, which it's not. And women should have the right to kill their unborn born children. Don't want me to have any other right over my life, including whether or not I'm injected with a substance killing people. Right? I don't have anything in common with those that think it's okay to let a five-year-old go, oh, mommy, I really think I'm a boy, and then that, that or, or mommy, I really think I'm a girl, and have that child's body be permanently mutilated. If that's what you think is okay, no, I don't have any, I, I, I can't reach across the aisle. You and I have nothing in common, and I'm not going to try to find anything in common with you. If you think it's okay for children to be sexualized, to be shown pornography, to be taken to some street parade that involves kink and people having sex in front of them, I don't have anything in common with you. I don't want anything to do with you. So maybe that's another aspect that might be happening coming out from that. You know who I don't have, and, and, and the assault on children in this country has just gotten completely out of control. And um, I'm hoping that there's going to be some cases that make their way to SCOTUS with this majority that involves stopping the sexualization, the perversion, the pedophilia, the assaults on our children in so many different ways. I was disturbed to find out that this U.S. congressman, who I actually saw speak at a faith and family conference years ago, um, actually said in a 2010 deposition that 13-year-olds can consent to sex. And I'm speaking about um, U.S. Senator from Oklahoma, James Lankford. And this deposition was involving the fact that he spent more than a decade as the director of youth programming at the Falls Creek Baptist Conference Center, which is a compound about 80 miles south of Oklahoma City that attracts more than 50,000 um, attendees a year. Um, he's, you know, his tenure, uh, I don't, I haven't really seen much about his campaigns, but uh, his tenure at the camp is something he prominently features in his, in his profile, something he's proud of as being a Christian. Um, but now his time there is coming under scrutiny. In 2009, while he worked at the camp, there was a family of a 13-year-old girl who sued a 15-year-old boy who was alleged to have had sex with her at the camp. So Langford, who was not in Congress at the time, he's not alleged to have any direct knowledge of the alleged assault. He has not been accused of any wrongdoing and was not a defendant in the lawsuit. Um, and the lawsuit was settled, by the way, for an undisclosed amount. But however, he was in a 2010 deposition in the case. And the deposition was given about a week after he was elected to his first term in the U.S. House. 
And he testified in that deposition that he believed a 13-year-old could consent to sex. Yes, I think they can, he said uh, to uh, Bethea, a lawyer for the girl's family. That's according to a transcript. Now, the age of consent in Oklahoma is 16. And although there is an exception in the law for minors between the ages of 14 and 17 who have sexual contact, contact, there is no provision under which a 13-year-old could consent to sex. 13, that's little more than a child. That is a child. It may have teen after it, but that's a child. When the attorney pressed if his answer was still the same, quote, if I ask you that question in terms of your position as a father, and Langford said, yes, they can. This is his position as a father. He went on to say, I wouldn't encourage that at all. But quote, could she make that choice? I hope she would not. But I would not encourage that in any way with my own daughter. So clearly, even with his own daughters, he thinks 13 is old enough to get, to grant Sexual consent. There's a primary coming. Uh, This is surfacing ahead of next Tuesday's primary. I don't know why this isn't surfacing before. This is this is horrifying to me. Do you guys think is is, is, am I overblowing thirteen? No. You know, I know people are going to say, well, you know, every child develops differently at, you know, different speeds. That's correct. But at no time, is, you know, they're going through pu- puberty. No time is a child at 13 mature enough to be considered an adult. I'm sorry. That's wrong. Quite frankly, I don't understand why 16 is. It, and it depends on whether we're talking about the age of consent at all. And 13 is far too young for that or whether we're considering the age of consent with another adult um, with, with not another adult, with an adult, like there can be exceptions. For example, if somebody's two weeks from becoming an 18, that kind of thing. Um, I think 16 is, um, I don't know what you guys think. Do you think 16? I still think it's too young. I still think it's too young. I still think it's too young. Um, 13 should be without debate. Now, this is a compound. Um, This camp is a compound as a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. And one of the reasons why this is coming out is because the SBC, uh, it's coming out that they have stonewalled and, and, uh, quote, denigrated survivors of clergy sex abuse. And And I believe that. I, at one point, I do not go to any church that's associated with the Southern Baptist Convention anymore. Because I had some concerns about about a pastor and they didn't want to hear him. And these these uh, these allegations that I was made aware of involved abuse, not sexual abuse, but child abuse, and they needed to be heard. Now, the Southern Baptist Convention is not like the Catholic Church. It is not um, each individual Baptist church that's associated does not have somebody overseeing their activities like the Catholic Church does with a um, priest or a bishop or archbishop, etc., so, but I just have chosen to not go to any church that that has any associations with the Southern Baptist Convention because um, I stopped trusting them in any way to hold anybody accountable uh, many years ago. So um, this is very disappointing with Langford. I hope he loses in his primary because I don't want anybody in any position of power who thinks 13-year-olds can consent to sex. We have too many creeps in this country, too many creeps in power. And I don't care whether you got an R after your name or a D after your name. A creep is a creep. We're going to take a break. We come back. 
Final segment of tonight's Andrew K. Show. Do we have any more in the creep department? Do you guys have a creep nominee or anything else you want to talk about? 888-344-1170. Do you have an experience with the Southern Baptist Convention or a church that hid abuse of any kind? Your thoughts on 13-year-olds granting consent? 888-344-1170. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Before the break, we were talking about James Langford and this shocking deposition in which he declared, even as a father, that 13-year-olds could consent to sex. On the phone is Romana, and she wants to weigh in on that. Hello, Romana. Welcome back to the show. And what are your thoughts, my dear? Hi, Andrea. Good evening. Yes, I have to call to tell you that my mother, very European mother, used to teach us uh, morals and values. This guy should be embarrassed and hang his head that he's announcing this insanity out loud in public. My mother used to tell us 13-year-olds are now wanting to to have sex. She says they don't even know how to do a load of laundry. That is for adults. (laughs) That is for adults who are committed to each other. And why are we doing this to kids? They're barely stepping out of childhood into 13-year-oldhood, and now suddenly they can consent to this. That's because perverts want uh, to have a yes. free license with young kids who don't know any better, who are easily uh, preoccupied with things when they're exposed to things repeatedly. And it's, it's, it's sad because they're robbing kids of a childhood that they'll never get back. Exactly. And and I don't know how much of that was motivated him to say that was just because it was in defense of this camp and what was going on with that camp. And, and that makes it equally bad to me. So you're going to yeah. throw kids under the bus and, and declare that 13 year old is old enough for consent in order to protect a camp that uh, allowed this to happen. And oh, by the way, there was a there was another rape that occurred at that camp in which uh, a worker, I think it was a food worker there, uh, bound a girl's hands, 13 year old bound her hands and raped her there. So I mean, this this is this is who he and he wasn't there at the time. But you know, so saying something as insane, and as um, being willing to throw kids under the bus to preserve mm-hmm. the power of a camp organization, there's no justification for, for that language from him. And quite frankly, it does make me suspicious of him and who he is as an individual. And let me tell you, um, you know, pedophiles always put themselves in position to be near children. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I am suspicious of him. And we all need to be suspicious of all men that put themselves that work around children, we need to be suspicious because we know that most children get sexually abused by people that they know and trust, not by the stranger in a grocery store, although that happens. And so mm-hmm. we need to, we children, children, we owe it to children, Romana, to make sure that we're suspicious of every grown man that ever comes in contact with children. And that includes people that are, quote, family, right? And yeah. children rely on us. The whole point is that they need adults to do the right thing because they're not old enough and mature enough to. And and Senator Congressman, I think he's Senator Lankford now, um, just revealed a side of him that makes him unelectable, in my opinion. And so I Thank hope you. the voters of Oklahoma, I don't know who he's running up against, but it doesn't matter to me. He doesn't need to be in any position of, a, of power, no, in my no. opinion. Do you agree? No. I, I agree. That's a reflection of his character and his intellect. I mean, I'm just morals. Come on. Yes. 13 years old, he can't be serious. If he is, that's just, uh, he needs, He doesn't even need to run because he right. established who he is. Right. And, partic- right. and particularly as somebody that when I went to the Faith and Family or Freedom Council or whatever it's called, Faith and Family Summit, um, you know, he was he was a keynote speaker. So this makes that makes me even more suspicious oh, of him. You always yeah. have to be careful of the ones that are like the most, you know, touting the most morality and can't admit that they're flawed and try to try work mm-hmm. really hard to come off with this perfect 
um, this perfect, uh, you know, exterior. I'm always suspicious of that, I guess, because I'm such a mess. All right, Romana, thank you for calling. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Thanks for calling in. Appreciate you. Um, You know, at at a time when there's evil in this world, uh, uh, children have to have people protecting them in every aspect of their lives. And that includes parents and caretakers and workers and everybody around them controlling their devices and what they're able to see online. Um, We need, we need, and this is one of the reasons why Bob Walters and I do these education segments, which is now morphed into just all kinds of topics related to children and how they're being preyed upon. But it, it, everybody who cares about children should want hardening of schools and to protect them. Teachers and employees at schools being armed if they're comfortable to do so. And we need cameras in the classroom. We need cameras in the classroom. We also need cameras in in, um, public areas like churches where children, wherever children are most vulnerable to being preyed upon by skeevy adults that they trust, we got to make sure that there's transparency and that they're protected. Now, listen, I'm not I'm not against church camps, because let me tell you, some of the most fun times I had as a kid and a teenager was going to, to summer church camp. And I can tell you that nothing ever happened, nothing untoward ever happened, except that sometimes in the South, you know, even as a kid, you deserve to have a little air conditioning because trying to sleep in the middle of the night when it's 95 degrees, 100 percent humidity, and you're being eaten alive by chiggers and mosquitoes ain't exactly a fun thing to do. Do you even know what a chigger is? How do you know what a chigger is? You because from the I South? have family from back East. Okay. Well, here's the trick. If you, if you do get a bit by chiggers, clear nail polish put the clear nail polish on a chigger bite it works every time that's good to know yes absolutely good to know all right um i hope i have enough time to to talk about this topic really quickly um trump's lawsuit against twitter was dismissed he has filed an appeal over that um he claimed that twitter violated his first amendment right to free speech when they banned him on january 6 in 2021 well of course they did because they're not acting as uh, they're acting as a publisher, right? They're not acting as a as a platform. And when ISIS can still have an account, when the Ayatollah, I think it is from Iran, still has an account on Twitter, for Donald J. Trump to not have an account um, is is of course it's a suppression of his free speech right. And the fact that he's got and the fact that he's got his new Truth Social doesn't change the fact that that uh, he was his rights were violated in an attempt to control. Uh, his ability to get reelected. All right. Hey, thanks for you guys being here tonight. Thanks to my listeners. Thanks to my guest. Love you all. Peace out. See you tomorrow night for Taco Tuesday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.